Warning, the following episode contains spoilers. This is Pod Forsaken. Hey everybody, welcome to Pod Forsaken. I'm Rodney. I'm Chris. I'm Missy. And today we have a very special guest. Writer, director, producer, Joe Russo. Say hi, Joe. Hello. I did not do The Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You should have saved that for the end. <laughs> oh, no, we could have gotten everybody to listen. Um, I just, I, I have, I feel like I have to do that because otherwise people's expectations are high and then I constantly disappoint them. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Do you, do you get mistaken for Joe, other Joe Russo frequently? All, all the time. Yeah. yeah I, I, I assume you knew that, but yes. All the time. I mean, on, on, especially on social media. I know you do, but yes. I thought it'd be funny for you to yes. tell everyone. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been like a constant gag. I had, I had a project with MGM TV last fall, and the Russos were like, maybe going to get involved. And so like the head of MGM said to the head of their TV department, like, hey, you know, it's really funny. The writer on this project is uh, actually named Joe Russo. And they were like, we're aware of him. <laughs> <laughs> it must be helpful, though. People probably open your emails. Uh, That's true. I, may, maybe. Well, I've also found out that my two friends who work for the Russo brothers get terrified when I email them because they think they're like about to get yelled at. <laughs> so I don't know what that says about the work environment there, but oh. uh, you know. But I, I think that Wait, that's... is one of them Malcolm Gray? Yeah. Oh, I went yeah. to high school with Malcolm. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Are you from Connecticut? No, I'm from New York. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He went down to school where I lived. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, I know Malcolm really well. Yeah. Uh, he's a good buddy. I worked at Spyglass and MGM very briefly. Ah, that's yeah. funny. We probably know a lot of other people in common yeah. too. Small uh, industry. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, so, I also saw one of the credits. We, we watched a number of your films. Oh, God. Uh, oh and no. And <laughs> one of the, the cinematographer, Andrew Russo. Yeah. Is that... No relation. Oh, okay. Oh, just, really? Yeah, no relation. I was wow. wondering if there was another Russo brothers. <laughs> no, yeah, no, we're, we're uh, we've deemed ourselves the Russo duo. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I, I awesome. think you should just, you should run that train all the way to the end. Just like, <laughs> take, take the biggest meeting in town. It was really, <laughs> like, it was really do Avengers we, 5. <laughs> after, after he shot Nightmare Cinema, uh, which is a movie I produced, where, where we met, actually, he and I went on a tour of the DC vault. And, like, we got to see, like, the original Superman comic and, like, all sorts of cool things in there. It's a really fun thing to do if you haven't done it. But when we signed in, we signed in as J. Russo and A. Russo. And we were like, if anyone sees this, they're going to, like, that could be, like, news. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, we that, that, I think it only, like, furthers the confusion. But on the last movie we did, we actually, like, we changed the slate from saying Joe Russo and Andrew Russo to just the Russo duo. <laughs> uh, it's pretty fun. That's yeah, we've done, I mean, we've done three things together now, which is which yeah. is cool. He's a really, really good cinematographer. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So one of the things we watched, he, did he shoot that short, Midnight? He shot Midnight Clear. Midnight Clear. That uh, was great. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, people seem to really respond to that one. It was something that we kind of did. It was after Nightmare Cinema and... You know, my friend pitched me the idea. It was right when Trump was, like, fighting with North Korea about nukes. Which time? Like, <laughs> oh, boy, like, the world's going to end, and we should probably try to crank this short out before it happens. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, well, but it's a short that takes place on Christmas. And uh, we were like, well, we really need to kind of get it out before Christmas. And we we're like, it's September. <laughs> <laughs> So um, it was it was wild. I mean, we prepped it and 
couple weeks and we shot it first weekend in October and it launched that Christmas on Entertainment Weekly, like December 21st or something like that. Oh, so like so we really cool. like we turned that baby around real fast. Wow. Um, I- Anyways, it was such a quick turnaround. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was good practice for the thing I just did, which was an even faster uh, turnaround. <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. Like basically, I, I, I was having lunch with uh, one of the directors from Nightmare Cinema, David Slade, and I pitched him the idea. He's like, "Oh, you need to make that. You need to get it out before December." And I was like, "How are we gonna do that?" <laughs> and then we did. You know, and I, I called, I called Andrew. And he said he would shoot it. And then I called the production designer from Nightmare Cinema. And she said she would do the production design. And she literally turned, like, a white wall apartment into, like, this beautiful Christmas card. It I mean, was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, she's really, really good. Wait, like, that was an apartment? That wasn't, like, someone's gorgeous no, yeah. house in the hills? Was, it looked, re- it looked really North nice. Hollywood white-walled apartment. Wow. Like, yeah, yeah. And, like, we, we painted it. And she brought in all that furniture and the Christmas tree. I mean, really, like, it looks like a Hallmark card. Did I was in know? the spirit. Yeah. 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 Well, that's and that's the thing that I like about juxtaposing Christmas and horror because you take this like beautiful idyllic time and you contrast it with these like really dark themes and it just creates like a really interesting like peanut butter and chocolate kind of combo, (laughs) I think. I mean, all the way back to like my Gremlins is one of my favorite movies. And so I think maybe that's probably where that comes from is just me, you know, pulling back from from those roots. But I mean, like eyes wide shut falls into that category too. Oh yeah, it is. I mean, that's Christmas technically time. a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Die Hard's technically a Christmas yeah. movie. Lethal Weapon, like yeah, those are like pretty dark themes that you're juxtaposing with this like beautiful setting. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I think there's something really interesting about exploring that. I'm yeah. with you. When I was I saw um, Silent Night, Deadly Night when I was way too young. And I, <laughs> <laughs> How young? Uh-huh. Like like I I don't know. It was you know I, my my parents are very lenient, <laughs> but I was like. I was traumatized in a good I way. I was bad. That yeah. movie was messed up. I know. <laughs> uh, so I've always had a thing for Christmas horror. Yeah. Uh, I also love, I, I think I just love Killer Santas. I love that Tales from the Crypt episode. Oh, right. B- both yeah. versions of mm-hmm. it. <laughs> the one with Dr. The, Giggles and the older yeah. one. <laughs> the older one, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, no, those are great. I mean, that was the, that was the pilot for the series. Was it really? Yeah. The, yeah, the Christmas one. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great episode. It is a great episode. It's funny you bring up Christmas horror because I should mention later in this episode, we're going to talk about Anna and the Apocalypse. Yes, the cult movie that nobody saw and should see. <laughs> yes. I mean, we'll see what you guys think, but well, th- th- this is my suggestion, so hopefully I don't get <laughs> burned at the stake later. But, uh, yeah. We'll uh, we'll circle back to that. Yes. But, so, Midnight Clear, people yeah. can watch that online, right? Yes, people can find it uh, on YouTube. There's this company called Alter that's owned by Gunpowder and Sky, and they, they've started a digital channel, and they actually acquired it. Because we released it originally in 2017, uh, and then they acquired it and re-released it last Christmas. And I'm like, oh, cool. I have, like, a perennial short film. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> nice. Did they make any alterations to it? No. Uh, no. No. The only, the only thing they did was they, like, changed the, the credits at the end because they, uh, like, yeah, yeah. slapped their logo on it and make them go faster. But <laughs> other than that, uh, actually, we made alterations to it. Uh, we, we recolored it. We were mm-hmm. like, now that we have more time and we know it's going to be re-released, let's go back and, like not do a slapdash finish on it. And and I think actually the, the color timing on the, the new version is 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 better. You probably wouldn't notice the difference, but it made Andrew Russo very happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, obviously, there's a lot of compression that happens on YouTube. Was that something that you had in mind as the final destination for that project? Uh, yeah, you know, I had done... Some of my older short films had done the festival circuit. And, you know, I've, I've also had a short that I produced that, like, played it 
a hundred film festivals, which is crazy. And honestly, nothing's come out of that experience for, for that filmmaker or even for me with my shorts in the festival circuit, other than like going to the festival and getting told, good job. Like that's about it. So we, when we made Midnight Clear, we always designed to release it online. Mm-hmm. That's why we partnered with Entertainment Weekly and, and Clark Collis, who's an awesome like horror genre journalist, uh, was the guy who spearheaded that. We were like, we want to put it on a platform where people can find it and see it and have as much access to it as possible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, online was always the destination for the, for that one at least. How did that inform like the creative process and like what you were doing, you know, the nuts and bolts of it? Well, I mean, the, the nice thing was, well, I had just done something for Crypt TV, which was like a Valentine's Day short. And like, <laughs> it was really frustrating because we shot it in widescreen. And they were like, oh, no, no, like, you have to reframe everything so that it would fill, like, the iPhone. And I was like, ugh. So we um, we actually were like, we kind of rebelled against that. And we were like, we're going to, we're actually, we shot it with anamorphic lenses. Mm-hmm. So we could get that really kind of classic old 80s Amblin look to it. So that was definitely a conscious thing. But we were like, we don't care if people watch it on their iPhones with black bars. Like, we're going we're gonna <laughs> to yeah. do a widescreen. Uh, so I don't think... There was any like, oh, since we're making it for the small screen, there wasn't any like creative compromises made. Like we, right. I've actually seen it projected on a big screen. It was really funny. Um, I talked to Arizona State, a, a class there, and they screened it for like a group of like 100 kids, like a big like amphitheater of kids. And then I came on Skype and talked to them. They screened it right before. I realized it was the first time like an audience had seen the movie collectively and like their like their applause like I was like whoa mm-hmm. uh, I guess they liked it <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was kind of cool and then we, and then I saw it uh, last October there was a, a screening on the big screen in in, a, in Hollywood and it looked great you know and it was cool to watch it with an audience people people really get moved by it which is yeah yeah well I think any short is like. Really, it's almost like a joke, right? There's yeah. like a setup and a punchline. Absolutely. And this one, you really nailed it because there's so much <laughs> expectation around yeah. the father. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck, what's going to happen? And I don't want to spoil it. Everyone should watch it. We'll put it in the, the, the comments. But it really nails, like it sticks the landing really well. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, no, we, we um, I really like Misdirection a lot. And, and that, that short certainly thrives on it. <laughs> yeah, I think if you watch it, it's impossible to guess where it's going. Absolutely. You will know, you can watch it and be like, I think I know. You don't, you don't know. <laughs> I am a little disappointed that the still that Alter uses, I guess like I was, I've, I've gone back and forth on it. Cause it like, it, it kind of could give it away, but mostly it doesn't. I don't think, I, I think if you don't know what the context is of the photo, it, it doesn't make any sense. But when I first saw that that was the still that they chose to market, I was like, uh, I could see that. They also, and Crypt TV did the same thing in um, the Valentine's Day short. They used the last shot of the short film as, like, the thing to market it. I'm like, oh, really? Did like, it spoil anything? I mean, for me, it oh, did. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it does, but, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but, like, that short's had a half a million views on YouTube. And, wow. You know, and, and Midnight Clear is just north of 100,000 now. So it's like, I don't know, what do I know? <laughs> they know their audience is better than I do. Yeah, marketing departments are interesting because I worked on, like, movies and TV and, like, like big budget things. Yeah. And it's, it's always weird to watch that process because, yes. like, 
they get dailies and you go, okay, I've read the script. I know where it's going. And then they get dailies and they pull stuff out and you're like, I don't even know if that's necessary to the story, but I guess it's a cool image and you're going to like blast that as yeah, the thing that yeah. you're marketing. It's sometimes very weird. Well, we have, we have one of the, sh- the short films in the anthology I produced, Nightmare Cinema, has a, a twist that goes in a very different direction than you'd expect. And the marketing department initially cut shots from that into the trailer and we're like, no, that's got to go. That's got to go for sure. Yeah. They also put the last shot from David Slade's segment in the trailer. And I was like, nope, that's nope. got to go too. He what? is going to get mad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, let's, let's jump into Nightmare Cinema a yeah, bit. Yeah. Segway. Yeah. Segway. Um, segway, man. <laughs> so uh, I, have you all had a chance to see? I know Rodney saw Yes. I've seen it. Oh, awesome. I read yeah. the Wikipedia. Very detailed. Yeah. Oh, good, 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 good. You're like, I, I, I got the pirated copy. Yeah. If you listen to the podcast, you know, you know Chris watched about 60 minutes of the movie. <laughs> um, uh, I actually watched the knockoff with Maki Rourke. <laughs> Ooh, I want to see that one. Bad dream movies. <laughs> Bad dream film time. <laughs> Um, uh, so how'd you get involved in that? So I used to be a development executive before I started moving down the path of writer-director. And, and so that's, that's a lot of where my producing experience comes from is I'll get involved with projects at the nascent stage and kind of develop and shape the stories with the writers and then hopefully lay them off to better, smarter people. Uh, <laughs> but that, that's a real skill is having that sight to go like, I see something, I see a seed here that can sprout into something good. Yeah. Because yeah, a lot luckily, of people are like, I just want a project. Right, right. A lot of people want something that is perfect when they get it and so that they can give it to their boss and have no fear of failure. Uh, and those things very rarely exist. And so people like me and, and, you know, Rodney too, like we would get involved at early stages and you have to like, shape something with a writer you know and so i got pretty good at that as a development exec and you know periodically we were a small company but periodically big wigs would come in and have meetings with us and one of those was a guy named mick garris uh mick is a long long time writer you know he he wrote for steven spielberg's amazing stories and then he wrote batteries not included and hocus pocus and the fly Two, and you know then he started directing when he you know he did psycho four and stephen king sleepwalkers and the stand and the shining miniseries but he's probably most known for the horror community for creating a show called masters of horror yeah um, masters of horror yeah love that show it was a great show it lasted for two seasons and then they rebranded it and put it on nbc and it got really watered down from the showtime original and uh he was very you know unhappy about that and he always kind of wanted to revisit that format of giving his peers and the masters of horror community a small budget and a limited schedule but creative freedom and saying go make the movie you want to make and uh so he came in for a general meeting in uh, 2014 and he said he wanted to redo it and he wanted to call it nightmare cinema and i was like sign me up <laughs> i don't know how i'm gonna do it but we're gonna figure it out and uh and so you know we we initially tried to take it out as a, a series um and we got this amazing list of like 25 of his friends who said that they would be a part of this if it went to series. And I mean, we're talking like John Carpenter, Wes Craven when he was still alive, Guillermo del Toro, Neil Marshall. I mean, like an amazing list of people and like a who's who of horror. And it got us in just about every room we wanted to go meet on. And everyone was interested in working with these filmmakers. But the problem was 
they were they were afraid that by the time they paid for the scripts those directors weren't going to be available the ones that they really wanted and they went ended up with people who in their mind were towards the bottom of the list and so nobody would pull the trigger on the development and i mean we're, we're talking about fox and mgm and uh, the Weinstein Company, uh, <laughs> and so so we went we went to all those places and we couldn't figure it out. And my old boss pronounced it dead in his infinite wisdom, like they uh, always do. Yes, they do. And when I left that company in 2015, I called Mick back up and I said I actually originally was going to pitch him an idea to do a series of shorts for Funny or Die, like some horror comedy shorts for Funny or Die. And then that just evolved back into like, well, what if we pick Nightmare Cinema back up again? And then we found the money for the script and we developed the script. And then uh, my my point at that company, who's one of my best friends from college, uh, he and I went and found the financing for the movie. And about three months after that, we were in production, which was crazy. Yeah, so. well, it's, it's always bananas how sometimes it can just take years and then it just happens. And then it happens so quickly. Yeah. No, I mean, and I mean, from from me meeting meeting Mick to release date was five years. Wow. Which is crazy. And uh, so uh, obviously Mick was involved from from Jump Street, but like yes. you have four other directors. Yes. How did that happen? So when we got to the script stage, we kind of went back to that list that we had put together originally for the TV show. And we we're like, well, who's available to develop a script right now? They were and all on that original list. They were uh, all of those guys were on that original list. Yeah. And so we went to them and said, hey, like we can. It's not going to be a lot of money and it's not going to be a lot of time, but you can have the the freedom to tell a short story that you want to tell. And they all said yes. And uh, that's that's when they all got involved. And they, they either wrote it themselves or they brought on a co-writer or they had a, a story from uh, the past that they wanted to tell. So R- Rodney has an interesting connection to <laughs> that one segment in particular. Yeah, it's. I'm gonna try to tell this in a, a, a non-long-winded way, but basically, uh, so I went. I went to high school in in Pittsburgh, where I grew up, and I had an English teacher uh, named Larry Connolly, and he, in his spare time, was also a horror writer, and he he wrote this one story that I just loved called Echoes. That was just it like haunted me when I read it. Uh, and then when I went to film school, I asked him like, "Hey, any chance I could like adapt that?" And he very generously gave me the rights and I I, I shot this 35 millimeter version of it that I probably spent too much money on for what basically was a homework assignment. But like <laughs> it looked gorgeous, right? It did, uh, which really ironically when I met Larry Connolly, he was he was like he wanted to see my shorts, and so I sent them to him and the one of the shorts he sent back to me was Rodney's short. No, I had, Rodney? Yeah, and I hadn't met Rodney oh. yet and then so like when we sat down we started talking we started putting pieces together about our both knowing Larry he was like oh I should send you the short I'm like no I already saw it yeah. I was like how, do you, how have you seen it and, and in, in, in the years I've kept up and kept in touch with Larry and he was always talking about how like his my other favorite story of his which is called Traumatic Descent he and David Slade were, had always talked about making it into a feature yeah. and then you know like the way all entertainment works, it just everything goes slow and things don't happen. And well, I, I think it, it was partially that. The other problem was the the writer who originally adapted it passed away. Right, and it became like a very sensitive thing for for David because uh, he was very close with that writer. And then his career just kind of went in this different trajectory and it was a story that he kind of always wanted to tell and I think he always wanted to tell in memoriam for that writer and so when the opportunity came to tell this weird strange 
black and white tale and he could do it the way he wanted to do it, he decided to adapt Traumatic Descent into a short, a shorter version, which yeah. is now called wow. This Way to Egress. And it was, it was just really trippy to find, to like meet you via my high school English teacher, right? <laughs> and we both made like adaptations of his stories. <laughs> That's um, true. If anyone's listening wants to check out some really great horror stories, check out the works of Lawrence Connolly. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably listen to this and we'll appreciate the plug. Yeah, no, I mean, he's got some great stuff. And uh, both short stories and novels. So in terms of Nightmare Cinema, I I am biased because because I love that story so much. So, like, I, I was drawn to the David Slade part. You know, like, that, that part is really... I like that it was in black and white. That was Yeah, that was interesting. He had just finished shooting his black and white episode of Black Mirror. Right. And he was in his black and white period. <laughs> People can't see me doing air quotes, but I am. <laughs> and uh, he, we were like, oh, well, yeah, we can shoot it in black and white. And I think our financiers thought like, oh, we'll shoot it with a color camera and then we'll make it black and white in post and then maybe we can change it later. But David <laughs> kind of knew that they would probably try to pull that stunt. Uh, so he found a red camera that shoots in black and white mm. uh, and we that's what we use so there was no there was no alternative <laughs> yes and luckily for him he brought on his his cinematographer's go-to cinematographer yo willem who was on hard candy and 30 days of nights and then went on to do like the hunger games movies and so that segment in particular i think like you take yo's uh, ability match it with just the beautiful images in black and white and it's like the finances were actually okay with it surprisingly mm. uh, but every, we were really nervous when like we sent the dailies we're like oh boy but we're about to get yelled at uh, <laughs> that's always a great feeling yeah <laughs> you said earlier like you wanted to give total creative freedom yeah. to the directors and it really shows uh, I feel like there are some anthology films that it feels like there's still like a tonal cohesiveness between the pieces. Yes. In this, each short is very different. Yes. Uh, Mick designed it that way. He, he created a wraparound that would allow the directors to do whatever they wanted. Uh, it literally, like, you, you get sucked into a story, and then they can tell the story whichever way they want. And that, that, that allowed it to have that Masters of Horror feel without being prohibitive like uh, a VHS or an ABCs of Death or southbound or any of those yeah those, those, those are what i was thinking of yeah. southbound specifically yeah, yeah. but because well, um, they're all thematically linked yeah uh, whereas these have nothing to do with one another <laughs> I, yeah i really think anyone going into nightmare cinema is gonna they're gonna find themselves drawn to certain segments over others just because there's they're they're totally different in terms of tone yeah. some are very violent some are much more like comedic some are, I, and some are atmosphere yeah I certainly I agree with you for not wanting to ruin that first the first segment. That is a giant. That is a that is a really good twist. Yes, and, and I don't. That's I don't the one you're talking about. That they. they oh yeah, that they put they the put end. some stuff into the uh, marketing materials that mm. yeah gave away. The that was twist a really a good twist. I it's, did not see that coming at all. It's a really fun one too. Oh my gosh! And like I I'm gonna try to do it without spoiling too much in case people actually do go off and and watch the movie. Um, you should those things that are a part of the twist that are like we needed computer imagery to help create mm -hmm. that almost didn't happen oh. uh, because we had horrible problems with VFX on this movie mm. and there was almost uh, an invisible twist <laughs> <laughs> um, but luckily like Mick and I really really like beat the drum and we, we found this amazing VFX artist to come in for nothing and save that 
the hell out of that short because I mean I I think for me that's one of my favorites in the movie and uh, it would really have been a shame if like we couldn't get it done and get it done well and I yeah, think that was really I think special yeah yeah it was I agree good fighting scenes too all those actors were like pretty good at fighting yeah yeah no it was funny I mean we had a great stunt guy uh, named Tim McAlecki who actually did the stunts on my next movie uh, mm. too I, I was able to bring him back he's one of the only people from LA I could bring out outside of my DP and he's he's cool like he's been doing tons of like big tv shows like he he does fear the walking dead and Mm. uh he did preacher and he did um oh gosh uh he does the blumhouse into the dark hulu series uh and and but he got his start i think this is cool like one of the first things he ever did was the Waterworld stunt show Mm -hmm. at uh universal i remember remember that when it opened uh that was that was one of his first stunt gigs which i thought i always thought that was kind of cool So you gave us a a brief glimpse of your upcoming movie? I did give you a brief glimpse of my upcoming movie. Yeah, you guys want to talk about that? Yeah. Uh, that was my it's my Roger Corman movie. (laughs) (laughs) So this is your first your first feature, right? This is my first feature as a director. Well congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. I can tell you based what what I saw, I was into it. I found it very tense. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit about it or tell the audience a little bit. Sure. It's uh it's it's a thriller. Female-driven thriller. Um, we found this great article that we kind of used as a jumping point for it. Um, my friend Amitab sent it to me, and what I really loved about it is most nanny thrillers are told from the perspective of the parents inviting a nanny into their home, and then the nanny starts to hand the rocks to the cradle them and take over their lives in horrific ways. We wanted to turn that on its head and have the perspective be from the nanny and what happens if you're going to try and start this hopefully new great life with this new job at this beautiful home with these beautiful people and you find out that they're absolutely insane. And so that's kind of where where the, the movie The Au Pair goes. First of all, I think that's, that is a really clever twist on that. And right from the, the beginning, I don't want to spoil anything that in the footage you showed us, but sure. right from the start... I like I like the au pair. Am I yeah. saying au pair? Au pair? I'm terrible eh, with French it's words. Kinda, it's kind of like Han and Han. I keep reliving. <laughs> I keep reliving trying to say Renaissance on that the was last. Rough. Yeah, that because was I was trying to say it in the fancy way, like Renaissance. Renaissance. That way, yeah. I can't just just say it the normal way. Renaissance. Uh, say it like an American. Yeah, it's a uh. Renaissance. <laughs> um, but so yeah, you you shot this really quickly, right? Yeah. So we found the article about a year ago. Uh, we got hired to write it. Uh, in September, we actually, like, by the time the deals, because deals take forever, by the time the deals were done, we wrote it in December and January. And then I got back from my 10th anniversary trip first week in April. Five days later, I get a call and they're like, you need to be in New Mexico in two weeks. <laughs> uh, and you start shooting in less than a month. Um, so we had under a month to prep the entire movie. And then we shot the movie in 14 days. Uh, that's why I said it's kind of my Roger Corman experience. The turnaround on your project is just getting faster and faster. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 oh, I actually, know. he just finished a movie right now. <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, it's pretty crazy that it came together that quickly. I, I legitimately thought there were moments during prep where it's like the casting wasn't coming together. There were issues with huge issues with the location. And I was just like, I don't know how this movie's going to come together because we shoot in like four days. Uh, and then it just it kind of did. 
and so I was I was really nervous. Like I didn't I didn't tell a lot of people before I left that like I'm gonna go make a movie because I was just like I was so I was like maybe once we actually start shooting I'll start telling people because I didn't want it to like fall apart and be like that guy who's like because oh, there's nothing worse than that person who's like I'm gonna make a feature and then it just never happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think wise choice. Yeah. I, I didn't know you were making a movie until you were making the movie. And yeah. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Good and, on and, you, man. And, and you're probably one of the people I would have told. It's just again I was like so desperate not to be that person. And, and even still, like when, when things were going wrong in prep and I was like, oh my gosh, like, is this actually going to happen? Or am I going to be driving back to LA in two days? I legitimately had that moment the Wednesday before we started shooting on Sunday. I really didn't think it was going to happen. And then like by Friday, everything came together. It was wild. I've heard horror stories of, you know, I have a friend who's a writer. He wrote a movie and got some funding and they went to shoot it in Vegas and like halfway through the shoot, like funding fell through. They had to stop, and we had, like, a party where we watched, oh. like, basically, like, an edited version of what was shot. Oh. And, then, like, he would have to pause and explain the scenes oh. that are missing. Oh, so, like, no. like it, it is amazing that, like, it just, oh. like, the train started moving for you, and you got on board, and now you're in you're in post now. Like, yeah. you're, you're basically I, I, through. I, more more roller coaster than train. Fair enough. <laughs> That's true. That does imply a very yeah. easy yeah. ride. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, no, it was, it was, it was a great learning experience and you know I got really really lucky I mean I think you guys will agree like the cast is is really terrific they're really good uh and they they came to play and they knew their lines and they were super collaborative and there was no drama and like they made it a lot easier to deal with the production woes that we were experiencing on a low budget you know I mean, um, you had some great locations. Like, the house looks gorgeous. Yes. I know yes. that you didn't, that was already there. You probably didn't build that house. <laughs> we did not build, we did not build that house. All no. the money went to building a house. Yeah, We're right. now selling it. What's, what's crazy, though, is that house in L.A. would probably be, like, a $20 million house. Yeah. And in New Mexico, it's a $4 million house. Oh, my it's gosh. It's just, like, wow. um, it's just unbelievable. But, no, it looks great on camera. It's just that the homeowner was super difficult. Like, they were there the entire time. Like, when we had to shoot that, the movie theater, home theater sequence Mm -hmm. that I showed you like right before we were going to go in there and like set up they were like uh little kids in his underwear watching Pokemon and we're not sure how to get them out So what'd you do? Living in the house when you were shooting? They 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 did not want to go to a hotel. We tried. Whoa. Uh, oh, wow. We 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 were gonna pay for it. We were gonna send them away, and no, they wanted to stay the whole time. How do you and find a house that someone's living in to shoot in? That would have been um, the producers out in New Mexico. Our line producer had shot there before, and I think he was friends with the homeowner. Oh, okay. But it was crazy. Like he kept changing the rules on us. When we when one of the reasons I thought the movie wasn't going to happen was I thought we were going to lose the location because they told us three days before shooting that we couldn't shoot any later than eleven thirty and it gets dark mm. at nine and I was like half the movie takes place at night guys like well, <laughs> what are we supposed to do so and and so that was that was literally a constant battle throughout the entire movie was trying to figure out how to eke out as much of the night work that we possibly could because there were some scenes that we just couldn't not we couldn't do during the day like even if we blacked out every window in the house you can't black out shooting at night exteriors you know <laughs> so like that we just had to find ways to like pad the time because they the homeowners gave us nothing uh, i even put his son in the movie and uh <laughs> hoping that it would buy us some goodwill on a dejection <laughs> <laughs> 
Cut him. Yeah. yeah, no, I wish I could. He was. He actually saw him. He was the second grocery delivery oh. boy. Ah, yeah, he's he's fine. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's he's an act. He's an actor. Like he wants to be an actor. Like he wants to go to drama school. And and I think he might have gotten like Juilliard or something like that. Oh, wow. And like so like like. So I'm like, oh, well, then if I put them in the movie, they're definitely going to like want this to be a good movie. So they'll give us more time at night. That no, didn't work. Uh, <laughs> Stop encouraging my artist son's dreams. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, he was he was fine. There was I have no issues. I'm, I'm no. But I'm like, ugh, of course, it backfired. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think people if you're not in this industry, you don't understand how hard it is to get everything together and how it's like everything could just go up in smoke at any moment. I know. That it doesn't feel like you have it until it is literally on a screen in front of you finished. Yeah, it's it's really it's it's a miracle when these things come together. And then, and then it's you know it's so funny. Like a friend of mine, my my editor just worked on a big 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 studio movie, and the reviews have been coming in kind of mixed. And he's like, it's just amazing that like people could work on a movie for two to three years. And people can just be so dismissive of it, you know? It's it's crazy. Welcome to Pod Forsaken. Yeah, welcome to Pod Forsaken. Uh, <laughs> Where we dismiss everyone's hard work. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, but it is. Like, once you understand how the sausage is made and how much blood, sweat, and tears can go into these things, it's it's you look at it with a little bit more context, and it's harder to say something is good and bad. I mean, sometimes they're just bad. Yeah. yeah. I, I do think a lot of people who don't work in the industry have this idea that it's like, everyone, like, you know, the director goes out there with the camera and everyone's buddies and they just make a movie and like... That is kind of what I thought till now. Right? <laughs> there's no. so, there's so much politics. I'm learning a lot. Yeah. It, it's like trying to like fill your hands with water and carry that like a mile and at the end still have the water, right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. like you start and you're like, I've got this great script or maybe it's like a mediocre script and you're like, we're going to make it great. Yeah. But then you've just got so many different people coming mm-hmm. in. You got people who want to give their creative opinion, but you're up against actual hard schedules, money, but you know, budgets yeah. and just like one, one little thing, like, yeah, you show up on set and you think you have this house and they're like, actually, you have to stop filming way earlier than you plan to. Oh my God. Now like dominoes that all starts to fall, but was, like you still have those actors for that amount of time. They got other shit lined up, right? It was crazy. My, the local, the local producers that got brought on literally every day kept trying to shut us down a half an hour early. I'm like, what the heck? What the fuck. I know it was, it was, oh my God, it drove me bananas, but you can't let it drive you bananas in front of the cast and crew because then they're going to be like, oh, the director's getting flustered, so I should get flustered. Or You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to, like... It's a weird it's a weird psychology balance that you have to kind of deal with these problems that are going to hit you fast and furiously, but you also have to be, like, Papa Bear and fun and happy and the artist. And, you know, so it's like... You, I don't know. It's it's a really interesting balancing act, I think. And, and then Rodney's right, like... You have an ideal version in your head, and all you do is make compromises. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine like you know, like you show us your footage, and we're just seeing that product, but you're seeing all the takes that didn't work in your mind. How long you had to work to get that edit? You probably see things that are still bothering you. Yeah, that oh, we're, we're I, not catching. You absolutely, know? absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I'm really happy that people are responding to the footage so far, and, and it's kind of still nascent state because it still needs music, it still needs sound work, it still could be tightened in places, but it's playing pretty well, and and I, I'm happy about that. And you know, but like I'm like, man, I really wish I had done with this with the camera, but you're not gonna 
see no, that or think know. about that at all because no, hopefully to be in your head. right exactly exactly i mean you know it's it's funny because especially when you're working on a schedule like like we had i mean i we obviously came in with a shot list but it's like so much stuff just gets crossed mm-hmm. out because uh not just from time purposes but also just you get into a location space and it's not exactly what you had in your head and suddenly you realize that cool camera move you wanted to do ain't gonna happen and you know you better just do an over the shoulder you know yeah <laughs> well you could do that in the director's commentary it's just you're like woody allen like we, we, we were supposed to have a gimbal here yeah. but it didn't come in so just imagine <laughs> exactly so I, I mean you know if anybody even listens to those anymore but but uh i used to listen to them all the time uh, i think that's a great way to learn if you want to learn about filmmaking and the so. technique oh totally i mean well and, and that's part of the reason why i produce Postmortem, I, I, which is my one of my my podcasts. Yeah, you have two uh, podcasts. I do have two podcasts. Joe Russo has two podcasts yeah, <laughs> because one is not enough. Uh, well, one one is Hollywood Hangover, which is really more an excuse for me and my friend Chris to hang out and talk about movies, much like you guys sit around mm-hmm. and talk about movies. They're not um, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's not true. Uh, and, you know, so, so we, we have a lot of fun doing that. And I couldn't believe that the name Hollywood Hangover was actually still, like, available. <laughs> kind of like, I, I really I really love the name Pod Forsaken, too. And I'm not yeah, just was, trying to, I'm like, I couldn't believe that was available, me too. Me neither. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, uh, shout out to my wife. She, she, oh, really? she came up with that. Yeah, well, you, you know my wife, Erica. She's a very smart lady. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she said so. that, and I was like, and there we have it. That's perfect. <laughs> that, I was like, that's got to be taken, right? Yeah. And I was like, not taken? Fantastic. That's, that's how we felt about Hollywood Hangover. We couldn't believe it. And then postmortem is... Is that's that's more of my flagship podcast, I guess you should say. Uh, it's something I actually do with Mick Garris from Nightmare Cinema. He used to in the '70s before he broke into writing. He was like a, a, an interviewer on this local LA channel called the Z Channel, and he interviewed like Steven Spielberg, uh, William Friedkin, and like all these like ama- like yeah, and they're all on his website if you want to go check them out. They're really cool. Uh, MickGarrisInterviews.com and all these classic like retro interviews. And in the early 2000s, he brought it back under the name Postmortem and really great like TV episodes with like Rob Zombie and this amazing Wes Craven one and Toby Hooper. And, and so when we were working on Nightmare Cinema, I happened to bump into a guy who works for a company called Podcast One. I didn't know anything about podcasts at the time. And I, I said to him, look, I don't know anything about podcasts. People pitch me movie ideas all the time. This could be really stupid, but I felt a, I felt I've built up enough karma <laughs> listening to bad pitches that I can pitch you a podcast. <laughs> and so he listened and I said, you know, what if we bring Mick and we reboot his postmortem show and we do it as an audio series? And they they bit like within two weeks, we were in the room with their CEO and they they put us in like a lovely studio booth. And for a year, we worked with podcast one on the show. And, you know, Mick was a little unhappy because they were having him read all these like bark box spots and things like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's like, but we weren't making any money. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so Mick was like, I don't want to stay. I don't want to keep doing this with them. And that's when Blumhouse stepped in and they picked up the podcast for a year. And then Fangoria stepped in <laughs> and they picked up the podcast for the third year. So we're actually, we're in our third year right now. Uh, we've done, I think we're coming up on our 60th episode and there's some, there's some cool guests in the works still. You guys have some incredible guests. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, we've had Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had John Carpenter. We've had 
Joe Dante and John Landis and uh, Elvira, and we've had we've had um, Coralie Forgeau who did Revenge, which you guys yeah. just covered, and we've had Ari Aster, and you know we've had some really Mike Flanagan who did Haunting wow. of Hill House. Uh, yeah, so we've had some really really cool guests on the show, um, and they're all like hour long kind of career retrospectives. So I think it's great to hear people's how did they get here stories. And, yeah. Because I, I just, it's nice to know that there's not one path and, you know, I don't know. That's, that's my thought, but I, I love listening to that kind of stuff. So it actually dictates my viewing habits a lot. <laughs> well, speaking of viewing habits, I yeah. think let's dive into the, the meat of the episode. Yes. We're going to talk about Anna and the Apocalypse. The movie I picked. Yeah. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Let's get dismissive. Christmas Uh-oh. horror movie? Yeah, another Christmas horror movie. I, I just felt it was... Well, that's why I wanted you guys to watch Midnight Clear, because I was like, they should see that, that I love this stuff, too. I All right, I'm going to go first, and then you guys can tell me why I'm wrong. But this is one of my favorite movies from last year. I thought... I just think it's so much fun. It's super niche, because it's a musical. It's a horror movie. And it's a comedy, and and it's a Christmas movie. It's like all these weird genres rolled into one thing, but I think it's like just filled with joy, and I I love it for that. So I'm really curious to hear what you guys think. Go, Missy, <laughs> Missy go. Yeah. Um. Well, I love that it's a Christmas horror movie. That's one of my favorite type of horror movies as well. Awesome. So I love that part of it. I I'm not a big musical person though. So, I'm not either, but I, I just thought this one was particularly fun. The uh, songs were, like, fun and upbeat, and there is the No Such Thing as a Hollywood Ending. I've been singing that. Right? Since, it's like, catchy. Since, that one's very it's catchy. It's super catchy. But a lot of the songs I thought were, like, a little generic for the movie. Sure. And, like, didn't actually tell, like, what the story was right. actually. Right, right saying but i thought the acting was really good i did think it was full of joy like yeah. you're saying yeah and it's just a fun movie yeah yeah there's a reason it played like every film festival for a year and a half it's just a, i think it's just a crowd pleaser you know yeah, yeah i find yes. it very funny that it's like this i've heard everyone i talked to about it has heard of it nobody has watched it yep and it went to theaters i think it was last year last uh, last christmas yeah. last yep. christmas yep. and just came and went yep me and rodney saw it in theaters yeah I, so I, oh. did, I saw it when yeah. it came out. Oh, okay. But I was so excited when you picked it that I was like, this is a great one. We should review this. Yeah. So, yeah. so Chris, you had not seen it before. I had not seen it. I had right. wanted to. Rewatched it, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I did. I rewatched it. So Good. Be fresh Good. Yeah, me, me too. I, 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 I rewatched it as well. It, what's weird that I didn't realize is it's not out on Blu-ray yet. What? Really? Uh, I know. Really? It was weird. I went to go buy the Blu-ray for this. And then I was like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that. Maybe. Oh, weird. You know, I wonder if they're saving it for this Christmas like that. Yeah, that makes make some sense. Sometimes they do that with holiday movies. I'm hoping that's what they do because I would totally plunk down for the physical copy of this because I'm like, I kind of want to add this to my dark Christmas horror rotation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything that's a Christmas movie, you can watch once a year. Yes, I yeah. agree. I agree. And, you know, it's On like, Easter. <laughs> or, or Christmas in July, which is why I thought you know, this might be appropriate. But uh, I, I just think... Um, it was really funny. I when Rodney was asking me what movie we should cover, I was working out and one of the songs came on my my iPad or iP- iPhone, and uh, I was like, "Oh, oh, we should do Hand of the Apocalypse." That's song you work out to. Uh, no, I don't normally work out. It's not for, it's not sure. it just it literally like it makes it sound like that's your workout yeah. playlist every day. It came. It came. I don't have a workout playlist. I just put it on shuffle. Okay. And it just happened to hit when you like asked that question. Oh God, what? Which one was it? It was. Um, it was the one where she's like dancing through her neighborhood. Oh, yeah. that's uh, a great, which is a great scene. sequence. Yeah. That's yeah. probably the best like shot. 
yes. song. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, I love, uh, love it's that. It's the song. juxtaposition of, exactly. of the song and like all the violence yeah, that's like happening. Yeah, like chaos going on around yeah. her, but she has her headphones in, so yeah. she doesn't She's notice blissfully anything. Blissfully unaware. <laughs> Zombie eating a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, John McPhail is that his name? Yes. Yeah, he directed this. He's a Scottish director. I'm curious yeah. about like his other stuff because he's got like a real visual flair. Yeah, he had one movie before this which I have not seen yet. Yeah. Uh, we're Facebook friends. Somebody was like, hey, your guys' movies are playing at the same festivals. You should know each other. And, but we've still yet to actually meet in person. He seems like a cool guy from his social media. <laughs> yeah. So it's a horror comedy Christmas musical yes. about a young girl and her friends who are surviving the zombie apocalypse. Yep. So I, I liked it. It was very fun. It is a crowd pleaser. I just found myself wanting like a little more connection between the songs in the world. Like I felt like in that opening song or not the opening song, that song where she's walking through her neighborhood. Yeah. I would like kept expecting the moment like where she goes to tie her shoe and a zombie like jumps over her or she's like takes off her jacket and a zombie like grabbing her and takes it and she then goes into a, a thing. She's a little too separated from the action. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought you could have a little more fun with that and I kept waiting for that to happen. That's actually a really good suggestion, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I it mean, just, it felt a little disconnected. Yeah, yeah. Like, whenever we went into song mode, it was like, hit pause on the movie, mm-hmm. let's That's do a little song. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. two separate things. Yep. Well, but I mean, isn't that kind of what most musicals do? Maybe anyway? that's why I don't like musicals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I really, that's one of the reasons I don't like musicals either, but I found the horror background to be engaging enough yes. yeah, a lot of true. the times that, you know, like I, that the song's not great, but like when the, the kind of brutish, good looking bad guy kid. His song I like. Uh, right. Yeah. When he's like yeah. bashing like yeah. zombies heads in while he's singing. I'm like, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Like, it, felt, it felt very Mulan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hated that song. That's but, really funny. But I cannot stop singing it. Yeah. Like, yeah. When it comes to killing <laughs> zombies. Yeah, you were singing that right when you got class. here. Yeah. 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 Like, I like, hate myself for singing it. Yeah. So I guess it is a good song, but there's just, I think it's just maybe yeah. a lot of them are really catchy. That's, um, I would say like 50% of the songs in the movie are very catchy. Yes. I think the opening number was very good. Yep. Hollywood ending. Yeah, Hollywood ending is, is the best I think one. That's the, that's the best the one. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the choreography in that scene is really good too. And there there were like, there's like two or three others. I like the Christmas song and the girl sings. She's the a, she was the best song. singer, I think. Yes. yes. Is that a real song? Do you know? Or is no, I don't think so. I think that, that was, was a, made for That the should movie. be played on the radio. Yeah, right? Um, it's yeah. it's yeah. really fun. I like that one a lot. And I love, I love the dad's reaction to it juxtaposed with the evil teacher's reaction to it. Like it's, it's just. The headmaster is so funny. Oh, he's great. He's great. there I disagree. No? Oh, you don't like him. I'm going to be, I want to say up front, I do like this movie. Yeah. I did. I, I, I was thinking how to describe it because like it falls into that special, that special vat of just like fun, right? Where like when a movie is a certain level of fun, you kind of have to forgive everything. Uh-huh. You're just like, it's a zombie comedy musical. Like, yeah. fuck off, right? Like, yeah. and so throughout the movie, I was engaged. I liked all the characters. I liked the songs. It's a good movie and I am recommending it. Yes. It, it's only like, quote unquote, a horror movie because there's zombies in it that kill sure. people. Sure. It's not scary in any way. No, it's like it's like a no. Halloween episode of Glee. Like, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the best way to put it. Yeah. 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 Um, 
but, but is that, that insulting way to put it? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think I look. I I love the movie. So and I, I I want far and wide people to see the movie. So I think it's going to become. A, I and do I think, think it's going to become a cult yeah, classic. People that don't like horror movies could really like. I think you could show yeah. it to your friends that aren't that into horror as well. Yes. Yes. Them. My wife will actually watch the movie. I, you know, I feel like this uh, would make if you're going to do a trilogy screening like this with Shaun of the Dead. That would probably, be really fun. Yeah. Like warm bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, yeah. It's in that it's in that kind of vein. Mm-hmm. It certainly is R-rated. It's violent. There's, it is violent. There is blood spraying everywhere. There's decapitations. But the principal character, he's like in a different movie. Yeah. And he just <laughs> like so I forget the actor's name. Chris always Googles this shit, as I'm saying. But he he's in Game of Thrones, and he's like... Oh, he is. That's right. He's the partner to the dude who keeps coming back to life. No, Dar- Dardarian? Or yeah, Barrack Oh, Dardarian. wow. I didn't even realize yeah, that. Yeah, he's like, huh. you know... Um, yeah. He's the guy who, spoilers, gets killed on that iceberg in that in season seven. Oh. Right? Ah. Huh. Or, as I think of him when I'm watching Anne and the Apocalypse, fake Gary Oldman. True. <laughs> I just kept thinking, why is Gary Oldman in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> um, it does look like a fake Gary Oldman. That's funny. I just felt like all the characters in the movie are portrayed as, like, real people. Like, Anna basically is, like, she, they're all high school seniors, and she's like, next year I want to, like, travel the world and, like, yeah. mm-hmm. not go to college. Her dad's mm-hmm. quite upset about it, and he's clearly a single dad and then there's like her best her friend just died. her mom yeah. just died yep. she has a best friend who clearly has like a giant crush on her but like am I allowed to use the friend friend zone can I say free friend zone yeah what's yeah, wrong yeah, with yeah. that yes, is that yeah. a I was told the friend zone doesn't exist what do you mean oh, I've heard I, that too I, don't right? think oh, that, I, didn't I also don't think that that's true but that's fine he's in the friend yes, zone he's in the friend zone he's yes. her best friend yes. and they're each other's best friends no totally true and, yeah. but he, he's got it's, it bad for her but he does yes it's just unrequited love like that's just all it is. Yeah, no, I, 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 I yeah, understand. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just. Well, you know, one thing that's nice, careful. nice about the movie, because I, I assume we can talk spoilers. Is, oh, we're gonna dive is, in. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't go the way you would expect it to go with him. Yes. You know, you expect yeah, him to like win, win the day. Was, yeah. And mm-hmm. she actually ends up with the brooding bad boy, uh-huh. which, which is really funny. So he redeems himself. A he bit. does redeem himself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The scene where she basically acknowledges that she knows he has a crush on her, but like. She doesn't see him that way. Yeah, I think that is a really well written scene. Absolutely, I think it's very beautiful. Yeah, it feels very authentic. And there's so many moments like that mm-hmm. that make these people feel real. That's why I keep coming back to the principal. Principal's kind of a he's cartoon. like a caricature. He yeah. is kind of a cartoon. I was for sure. Yeah. Like every scene, he's just like, oh, I hate children, and I. Like, <laughs> I feel like he could team up with the Grinch. This is right? my yeah. school. And you- <laughs> I will. Yeah. I'm going to be the principal, and then you're going to die. But how funny was it when all the zombies are around, and he's just like eating his Christmas dinner calmly, and he's like, I'm, I will eat my Christmas Eve dinner. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't funny. Well, he okay. could, I thought it was I don't funny. Know. I think it's funny because he goes. He's, he's the character who goes the most off the rails I think too I, I don't know I to me it's like Christmas movies sometimes paint in broad strokes and so I guess that's why it didn't bother me as much uh, like there's a lot of cartoon character characters in Christmas movies and I mean like even I love Home Alone I think it's a perfect movie but like Joe Pesci is a cartoon character. Very true. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, it's certainly not enough to, like, stop me from liking the movie. Sure, sure. I, again, it because it's, like, meant to be, like, winky, and it's like, we're just here to have a Did good time. Did it bother you the second time through as much? Oh, yes. Oh, really? Maybe That's more. interesting. Huh. I, it I, bothered me more the second time, but I still, it didn't bother me enough to not like it. Like, he's, it's hard to believe anyone would be that evil. It's hard to believe that dude got hired, right? Like, like I mean, but he did a good job it was just the writing of the movie it's supposed to yeah there wasn't a lot of depth for I don't mean character. the actor I mean that the principal that guy oh, 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 to be oh. the principal <laughs> of the story oh, true. Yes. that's what I mean like 
Like uh-huh. that dude in an interview would be like, he'd be like, so why do you want the job? I'd be like, because I want to be principal and take over this city. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> okay. It sounds, it sounds like a Batman villain. Um, uh. like, he literally like, is basically like, if I can't be principal, I'll lock everyone in this room so they die of zombie bites. Like, yeah. Kind of. That happens. Yes. But, yep. Yeah, he's trying to murder the students. <laughs> yeah, and then there's 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 a couple. There's like also the American girl, right? She's American, the blonde girl. Yeah, she's really good. Yeah, she's, she's good. got a lot of depth too. And then there's the bad boy who he also. He's not cute. That's what bothered me. It's supposed to be the cute one. Yeah, it was really know? funny. I, I when I was scrubbing through the movie again to in preparation for this, I I asked my wife. I was like. Do you find him attractive? And she's like, kind of. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, do you find him more attractive than the best friend? And she's like, well, but the best friend's not portraying confidence. Yeah. And she's like, if he was more confident, then yes, I think you would find him more attractive. But because the other guy has Mm -hmm. so much charisma and confidence, he he's better looking. That's a good assessment. Anyway, Mm -hmm. that's that's so my wife. The time I thought he was cute was when he was singing his song because he was like so confident. confident. Yeah. 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 I can't help it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Worst song, but the best song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, should we just, you want to just walk through it real quick? Like, sure. So sure. Anna like goes to school, right? Like we meet all these people in the opening numbers and then we basically get to the zombie apocalypse. Right? Yeah. I, the only thing I could see like a horror fan watching this movie getting disappointed about is like the first 25 minutes feels like an episode of Glee. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's not yeah. a lot of like, there's a couple like, like there's like a girl walking behind her, like wheezing. And then it's like a zombie fake out, which is fun. Like if you know where it's going, but yeah. I could see like a horror fan being like, Oh, when is the horror going to start? Yeah. But once it starts, it's like gleeful in its horror. Yeah. But, yeah. And uh, I, I don't think we talked about the, the comedy of the movie is very good too. There's a yeah. lot of little, there's a lot of witty little jokes yeah. and sides and the part with the inhaler is really funny. Yep. Yeah. Just warning to everyone. Like, I can't be more clear on this. This is a musical, like a hard musical. There's yeah. like 20 songs in this thing. Maybe not 20. There's like at least 10. There's not 20. All right. There's at least 10. <laughs> but yeah, it takes a little while for the zombies to show up. But once they do, yeah. like, they clearly put their money into like the gore effects. There's yes, this cool shot where in the scene we referenced, Missy, you referenced it, where she's like skipping to school, listening to music on her headphones, and she's unaware that there's all these zombies, mm-hmm. uh, which is, it feels like a, an homage Slash little bit of a theft from Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, totally, I actually saw totally. a direct. He was at the screening I saw uh-huh. and with one of the actors, and he said that it was. So someone asked that in the Q&A. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then it was an homage. Yeah. But in that scene, there's a part in, in, in Anna and the Apocalypse where you see a zombie like eating a baby in a baby <laughs> carriage. Yeah. You don't see it. It's like it's like you only see the side of the baby carriage. Right. But I was like, that is straight up yeah. A, a, yeah. a zombie eating a baby. And I've never seen that, I don't think. Like maybe they've done that in The Walking Dead. Did they? Yeah. I died. I have watched those shows, so. Well, maybe the mom yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Something happens. No, the baby lives. Anyway. There's a lot of episodes spoiled, of that I, show. I it's, po- that. it's entirely possible. Uh, Dude, Walking Dead spoiled itself. <laughs> I yeah. know. I'm joking. It's too late. I'm joking. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. What, like, we can, I mean, it's it's a fun movie, but there are things that really bug me also. What are the things that bugged you? Okay, I'm going to tell you what, what really bugged me. <laughs> tell me what oh, now that you asked. Okay. Yeah. Now that you've asked. Yeah, I, I'm asking. I get that it's probably a budgetary thing. They had what they had to work with, sure. right? And they do a lot with that. They do. It's a beautiful looking movie. But there, but one, this movie takes place in a world where people know what zombies are, right? They, right. They, I movies. liked that. I, that's not because my, from watching movies. That's not my complaint. Okay. But, but they acknowledge that they know what they are. Right. But then you have a lot of characters using like spatulas to like hit zombies in the head. That's all she could find in the moment. But that's not what a person would do. You know what I mean? What do you like, mean? You would run. You would just run away. You would look for another weapon. Like you wouldn't stand there and like 
She was in a Here's what I'm saying. Corner. If I were trying to attack you and you had a plastic spatula, you would never kill me with it. Like, never. It would You're never work. You're probably not thinking clearly if you're being attacked by a zombie. Oh, God. This is... I can... This is one of those things. I'm going to go on a rant. I can feel it. <laughs> well, I mean, this is also like I think the people in Midsummer should have left a lot sooner than they did. Oh, but, you want to talk Midsummer? No, I don't, I don't. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it. But but this is this is a thing. I mean, but at least in, in that movie, it's so dreadfully serious that like... You would you would expect what you're talking about in this movie. The tone is so light that I think you can get away with a spatula hitting thing. Right. Yeah, and they kind of set up that like the actual physics of the zombies are like they're like paper mache. Yeah, but that's that's what that's what rubs me the wrong way, and that's why I said earlier that it goes into the vat of like quote unquote fun movie. Right. Where the movie is saying to me like this is all ridiculous. I don't think so it ever enjoy. implied that it was going to be 28 days later though, you know. Yeah. And I mean, in like in Shaun of the Dead even does it too. Like they're hitting zombies with pool sticks. I know, that you bugs know? me too. I'm not, I'm not saying <laughs> that's, the But that sequence is awesome. This is like uh, a how-to video of what we right. should do if zombies become real. Let me tell you the part that really runs me the wrong way. Okay. I can remove one thing from the movie. Okay. They're like walking through a shopping center yeah. in broad daylight mm-hmm. and they're like, if we go through this dark abandoned Christmas tree store, we'll get to the school quicker. I agree. That I And I was like, it will take 60 seconds to just walk around the facility. You right? don't know how long that facility <laughs> is. <laughs> And so that just felt very forced. Yeah. You know? And it, then also... They like, needed a scary sequence and... Yep. They, they It was an opportunity one. for her to get her weapon of choice, the candy cane. That's was, true, which yeah. is a pretty awesome weapon of choice. It was. I, I, so, Rodney? He knows. He no, knows. I mean, he agrees with that. It, it, yes, he <laughs> no, like, but, just, but that could have been fixed simply yeah. by like, oh my gosh, look down that way. There's zombies coming at us. We yeah. have to go into this dark store. Right. Yeah. Sure. Like, or like it, Resident Evil style. There's like two buses on fire. We right. can't get past it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that... that that's yeah. You're you're not wrong. Yeah. You're not but, wrong. But that doesn't happen. Instead, no. like let's go through that dark store, and then people suddenly forget there's zombies. Right? It's like yeah. They easily could just like bang on the wall and like have the zombies all come out. But for some reason, all the zombies are hiding like ninjas. Yeah. Trees. yeah. They're hiding in trees, and then they jump out. And like that, you're it, you're now violating the movie. But I'm still like just shoving popcorn in my face, being like, "That's okay. We're having fun. This is yep. fun. See, yep. we're having fun. Yep. Oh, now they're singing. Yeah. But that and like. Also, at the end, where, like, they're surrounded by zombies, but there's, like, seven zombies, and I'm like, you could just run around them also. Which which sequence is that? When uh, in, when they're in, like, the guidance counselor office room? Um, at the very end. They, like, the very they, end, when they're in the, the parking lot. lot. Oh, and yeah. they're, like, standing back to back, and they sing their It felt their like they song. needed maybe 20 more extras. Yes. Yeah. I was like, look, I'm way out of shape, and I could easily outrun. <laughs> like, I could run through that gauntlet, right? Yeah. Let's test this. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do, do a big zombie yeah. run? <laughs> but look, I feel like... I don't feel like it, like I I should come on here and just say how great everything is about every sure. movie. Like there, like here's the thing: we can talk about how great Anne and the Apocalypse is. It's a fun time, and blah blah blah. But like it, it made less than a million dollars. Yeah, you know. And I think part of that is because of the marketing. I looked it up. Mm-hmm. It played on like at its best, 138 screens. Right. Oh wow. Which is like so to make a million bucks on 138 screens, not bad. No, uh, I, but like I'm, I am surprised that it didn't get a bigger push, and I don't know what it is that people. I aren't feel like teenagers to. would have loved this. I know, I know. It's another like another movie that I feel like falls in a similar category that I I, I love. I think it's fun, and I'm surprised teens didn't find it. I feel like the only reason they didn't find it was because of the marketing. It's a movie yeah. called Tragedy Girls. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's an excellent example. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's like the, those two movies. I feel like are cult classics in the making 
and they just need the audience just needs to find those two movies, mm-hmm. you know. And I feel like it's it really is a shame that Orion spent a bunch of money to acquire this movie and then didn't put it out in a meaningful way, you know. Mm-hmm. I I I'm, I'm with you. I think there's there's an audience. Hopefully, it'll end up on like Shutter this Christmas, and suddenly the wider yeah. audience will see it. You know, that's my hope for it at least. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, did did you have a favorite song? Do you have. Uh, I, well, I think I think uh, Hollywood and ending is yeah. probably my favorite. I I also really like the the one that she's dancing to with the zombies behind her. I think that oh, that's yeah. really fun. Right. That I was like most the, memorable. Yeah, there's um, one called uh, Human Voice. I think it's called uh, in the bowling alley. When they're in the bowling alley, mm-hmm. I really I feel like that one's pretty haunting, and uh, I found that memorable. I, there's like one other one that's on my phone too, and I can't remember. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I downloaded four of the songs to work out too. Uh, yeah, to work out too. No, but, but it's funny. Like when one comes on, then I end up like listening to all of them. Mm-hmm. They're catchy. They're I have catchy. a question. Yeah. Okay, so. At the end, you know, spoilers, whatever. You, you've listened to this podcast enough by now. You know we're going to spoil the shit out of this. She goes into, like, the auditorium, and her dad is, like, tied up in a chair. Yeah. Like, because of the crazy cartoon right. principle. And again, I'm so, I just... Well, that was, I mean, yeah. It was stupid. It was too much. Like, like first of all, he's like... Well, he, he like, lost his mind, the principal. Yeah, but the dad is, like, he's, like, sitting in a chair with, like, six Christmas lights around him. Like, it's not... They're not chains, you know what I mean? Like, like, he's <laughs> like, like why can't you just get out of the chair? And what I didn't... Here's my question. You find out that the dad has been, like, bitten on the leg, right? Yeah. But did that happen during that fight? Or I was think it happened it? before. I thought it happened during the fight. I thought it happened it during was the like fight. He was leaning over. Uh, yeah, okay. I think it happened during the fight. Because it's unclear. It was unclear. Those, have you ever been tied up by Christmas lights, Rodney? Twice, and I got out very easily. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, what are you and Erica doing? Yeah. I, <laughs> Don't I ask. Sam, yeah, yeah, very, very Merry Christmas indeed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you want to do it proper, you get Halloween lighting. That shit's meant to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but that sequence, though, with Dad being in jeopardy and the zombies and then her, you know, I, I, I think it's a very fun sequence, though, regardless of maybe the believability of how tethered he is to yeah. the thing. I think it's still fun. It's There's a lot of great set up and payoff there like even to which the way she disposes of the bad guy is set up really early in the movie yeah it's kind of what seems like a throwaway gag and then it comes back it's really in that in that sense there's a lot of smart writing happening in the movie a lot of things come back and pay off in fun ways yeah Um, and i i know i'm just nitpicking but like there is you are again the stuff with the the friend but that's that's what i do i mean like here's my my rule of thumb there is Every time an illogical thing happens in a movie, I'm I'm mentally giving you a little strike. You get a right. black mark, right? And, <laughs> and there's a certain amount of black marks before the scale tips, and I'm like, I no longer like this. Right? Ah. That's the problem. Well, I'm really glad that Nightmare Cinema survived the black mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, for each short, it resets. Oh, oh okay. Reset, oh, well, right? that's good. That's good. I'm like, that's all right. Because <laughs> um, I know there's there's probably some black marks, but but I'm, I'm glad we didn't uh, tip the scale. Every movie has that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's so funny, like, I, you know, there's there's one thing that's, like, driving me crazy in, in Au Pair. Like, there's a, I, you didn't see this scene yet, but, like, the dad is giving the tour of the house to the Au Pair, and he brings her down the, the stairs, and it's, like, this really nice little, like, wonder that we did through the kitchen. And in the dialogue, he's referencing a room. Uh, he's like, oh, back there is my office. And the original intention was to, like, shoot a later scene in the office. 
And uh, so he literally has a line where he's like, oh, I doubt you'll find yourself in there. But the producers wanted something that like a part of the house that was a little more sinister looking than the office for the eventual things that were going to happen. And so it, it ended up being in a, like this wine cellar that the, the house had, which looked great on camera. But like suddenly that line becomes just like this weird throwaway <laughs> dialogue that was in, originally was intended to be like a, a callback and like a, hopefully a smart writing callback. And now it's just like this random line that we can't cut because it's in the middle of a one <laughs> like, No, no, no. You, you, you very smartly set up the sequel, Father's Office. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. <laughs> What's in or, there? Or the, Cheeseburgers. Or the mm. uh, <laughs> For those listening who don't know, in LA we have a, a restaurant called Father's Office. Yeah, you know what's really funny? They do make a delicious cheeseburger, but the time I went, I got my delicious cheeseburger and the guy I went with had a screw in the <gasps> burger pan. No way! What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which location? Uh, Santa Monica. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. How does that even happen? I don't know. Like a metal I, screw? Like a metal screw. Like like a screw fell in the kitchen, I think, into like the burger. Oh, Jesus. And that happened to a girl I went to high school with at Taco Bell. She got plaster in her taco. Holy well, shit. Well, that, I, I, Taco, Taco Bell. Bell, I expect yeah. at the father's yeah. office, you don't. Yeah. What did they Well, you got to ask him to hold they, the plaster. I mean, they gave, him a, they, gave, for the plaster? they gave us a free meal, but like... Did I mean, his teeth okay? thank God he didn't. No, he found it before like he bit uh, into it. Thank that's God, but horrifying. I, it, yeah, absolutely. That's like putting you middle sure have things in candy in Halloween. Like someone after him. Hey, Father's Office, if you sponsor us, we will remove that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this and all future episodes are brought to you by Father's Office. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> but yeah, I think. Look, I think we're all agreeing that Anna is worth watching. Absolutely, yeah. Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, don't, just again, don't go in expecting a horror movie. Right. And, I mean, it's a zombie movie, but it's more of like a zombie homage. It, yeah. It really is like an episode of Glee. That's, it's like a, it's yeah. like a really it's good like episode It's like if Glee meets zombies. Better. But better, yeah. yes. Yeah. You, know, you know what yeah. I could have done with? A better episode of Glee. <laughs> I, I, liked, I liked the first, like, 20 minutes of the character, you know, like high school drama stuff. Because I was like, oh, I like these characters. They're yeah. well done. They were. But I was always expecting the thing to launch. It could have done with, like, a, a cold open of, like, a janitor who's, like, doing a song of, like, I'm going to go see my kids. And he's, like, singing and is, like, you know, broom handle hits a button and all the zombies are released or something like that. Right, right. There's the only thing you get really is on the radio. You hear that, like, the Santa Claus, the local Santa Claus is sick. Right. And then you start to hear, like, people are calling out of school and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. Right. So you're finding out that, like, the infection is spreading, but it's it's very peripheral. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like you have to know where it's going to appreciate th- where true. it's going. I think it's just, like, the second half, it doesn't really, like, escalate. It's like people start dying. In but a like, random order, I thought. I was surprised the order people died in. Yeah, I, people die in this that you do not expect to die. Yeah. At least for me. There were several deaths. I was like, yeah. really? They're killing yeah. that person? Yeah. I was surprised yeah. the American girl ended up alive at the end. Yeah. With some of the people that died. Boyfriend yeah. dies, good singer chick dies, her boyfriend dies. I ruined it. Yeah. Best friend yeah. dies very quickly. Dad yeah. dies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the best friend. He dies like half Noble sacrifice. Early. Yeah. I was really surprised. Which, by the way, that's a great twist. It was. Though. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, that's that's something you don't expect to happen. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. and that's that's kind of refreshing. Like, you expect them to get together in the end. Totally. Right. It really zone. goes the other way. Died in the friend zone. Because in the episode, that would happen. Yeah. I, I like the way <laughs> that they, they resolve that, though, is he's, like, gesticulating, and his arm goes around a corner, and a zombie bites it. And you're yeah. like, yeah. You gotta be careful, man. Well, and then he ends up sacrificing himself so his friends can get away, which is like a really nice, wonderful way to mm-hmm. end that character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So the movie does, I think, and Rodney will agree, a lot more right than it does wrong. Yeah, that's uh, an excellent way to put it. Yep. Um, what was 
everyone's favorite zombie kill scene. I love the snowman head decapitation. Yeah, that, that was the that was I my mean, favorite too. Yeah, yeah. I, it's hard to top that. It was it was great. That is the best. But again, I I just have a thing for them killing a baby on screen. Like yeah. I was just like, whoa. <laughs> I, uh, my favorite part of Mother too. If you saw that. <laughs> oh God, did you like Mother? No. That's interesting. I'm I'm surprised that you liked. Didn't like that, and you liked Midsummer because to me, like those two experiences in the theater were very similar for me. I, um, I totally, I totally hear that. And there were parts of Mother I really, I really dug. Yeah, but at least, at least Midsummer has a story. Like it has characters and a story. I Whereas agree Mother, with that. It just kept going. I was like, wait, what's happening? Is yeah. there now we're adding more people? Yeah. And only afterwards did someone explain to me what it was about. <laughs> that I was like, I guess that makes sense, but that's obnoxious. Mother, Mother is Baskin for Christianity. No, it's not. No. <laughs> I wish. That sounds amazing. I, give me I, that I actually do know what it's about. It's it's the uh, Adam and Eve. It's the Bible. It's no, the it's whole not. Bible. No, it's not. It's Wait. not. It's actually about his relationship with Rachel Weiss. What? Uh, yeah. But I mm-hmm. thought it's like... Is no. It... Nope. It's not. He <laughs> said it was, but that's not true. So who's who's Rachel Weiss in the movie? Is that uh, Jennifer Lawrence? That's Jennifer Lawrence, and he's Javier Bernal. Why didn't he just get Rachel Weisz to play the part? <laughs> because they had a very bad divorce. Yeah, I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and Midsummer then he, and then he couldn't date Jennifer Lawrence. So, yeah, no, that's that's actually what it's about. Well. A little bit of Hollywood insider baseball for you. Well, like, um, that might be what it's about, but, like... No, Isn't that's it, that's what it's about. He he then just added a bunch of pretentious layers to it. But then like, why the, why the, the like, why is there like a riot at the end? Why are they killing a baby? And why does Javier Bardem have like a magic gemstone? I, look, I'm not a. Like, ba- what the fuck is that movie about? I yeah I I I know I know. Have you seen it? Missy? I haven't seen it. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like I I think it is the most bonkers movie to come out in the last like ten. Years. I've been meaning to see it. Like yeah. so bonkers. Like you think it's a movie? It's not a movie. It's just oh. like a bunch of famous people on screen talking. And they keep more and more keep showing up until it's, yeah, it's, killing a baby, and, okay. and the movie ends, and you're like, I, I have questions. It was I'm very kind of like very frustrating experience. Lens. Yeah, it's okay. very frustrating. But uh, yeah, one, one, now once you if you do go back and watch it, and you watch it through the lens, knowing that it's um, him feeling jealousy about his ex-wife, mm-hmm. you know, and the fame that she had at a time when he didn't have it. Mm then you'll understand kind of where where the movie's coming from okay, in a cool. weird way. But it's, ugh, God, it's just, it's no, it's not a good movie. <laughs> yeah. um, and I have no problem saying that because Darren Aronofsky was very rude to me once. <laughs> I, I, I always love, like, working in Hollywood because sometimes, like, I was working in uh, development when Inception came out mm. and I happened to be on a conference call where somebody was just like, what's the fucking ending? To somebody that worked on the movie, they're like, uh, oh yeah, no, no, it's not a dream in the end. And yeah. he's like, oh, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Got the artist's uh-huh. attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that it happens. It's really funny when you find that stuff out. But anyway, yeah, I don't think I'm ever gonna rewatch it. But no, I don't want you to. On the right side, <laughs> listeners got like two extra movies in this episode. That's huh? true. Recap That's Midsummer. true. Yeah. Nightmare Cinema. Yeah, and night. Oh, and and Mother. Yeah, yeah. Mother. Yeah. Yeah. Three or four. God, it's like a bonus bonus episode. Speaking of Nightmare Cinema, that's yes, how sir. now. How can people see it? People can see it on iTunes, Amazon, their cable providers, uh, Fandango Now. It's available on demand through all of those platforms. Uh, and then it will be out on Blu-ray September 3rd. And then it will hit Shutter uh, a little bit later in the year. I can't quite announce that Ooh, yet. Awesome. Shutter, Shutter again. Yeah. 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 So. Also, add it is on Hoopla. That's how I watched it. Oh, oh no way! The library I, app. If you have a library card, you I can have, rent it. I have. Oh. This is what I did. Huh? Hoopla's I didn't know really, that. Hoopla is really simple. Yeah, you basically yeah. just like. Huh. 
put in your library card number and it, you can just stream whatever movie. I mean, I don't think that's, that's really every movie. That they don't have every movie. They have, it's pretty limited, but they have random, and the, they have random good stuff and then like a lot of stuff they don't have, but. Well, huh. I just some... learned something new about yeah. the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I rented it on Amazon, so if I could get $7 back. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll give you the distributors info. <laughs> take that up with them, because I am not gonna see any of that. Money. But, <laughs> but um. Anyway, any, anything else you want to talk about, Joe? I I'm I'm good. Yeah. Man. Anyone, yeah. Any, any more thoughts on Anna and the Apocalypse? You should wa- wait till it. Christmas to watch it because yes. it's a really Christmassy movie. Yes. I, Hopefully, it'll actually be out on physical media by then. It should be. Or Shutter. Yeah. I can yeah. usually see this being one of those things that like becomes an every Christmas at some theater there's like a sing-along where people come that would be really yeah. fun yeah. 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 I would go to that I would totally go to it that it would be fun I would see this movie several more times and I will complain about my things my little points each time but doesn't mean I'm I still like it it's, yeah. it, it has enough charming stuff in it that it's growing it's going in rotation for me with Gremlins and Krampus and like all of mm. those movies it's, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll, it'll be there for me yeah but yeah and the apocalypse check it out probably yeah best way for Christmas but yeah uh, Christmas in July yeah, or Christmas in July. Do it anytime. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Joe, thanks for coming on. Thanks Thank for having so me, guys. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you guys uh, next week. Yeah. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the episode. If you could uh, like, subscribe, and share this episode, that'd be great. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, it really helps us out, helps us get discovered by other people. If you want to share your feedback with us, we can be reached at podforsakenpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah.